hey everyone. Before we get started, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. This is a one-man show produced largely on early morning transit rides and late at night, and each one of you make it worthwhile. If I may, I'd like to ask a quick favor of you, and don't worry, it's an easy one. If you enjoy the show, can you tell your friends about it? Study after study after study tells us that word of mouth is the number one way people discover podcasts, so you'd really be helping me out. Thank you for listening and for your support. Now, on to the episode. On January 24th, 2022, Walter Martin released the first teaser for his upcoming album, The Bear. The video features the camera meandering through a blue-tinted wilderness in the dead of night, almost as if a GoPro hung from a bear's collar. Over the music, Walter explains the apocryphal origin of the bear. There's supposedly this blind bear around here that our neighbor told us about. So we're all always talking about it like, did you see the bear? Is that the bear? Did you hear that? Shh, look, is that the bear? But it's always just a bush or a trash can or something. You're terrified of the bear, but you're also dying to see the bear or to hear about someone seeing the bear or even just a footprint or some trace of the bear. And you secretly don't really think there's actually a bear out there at all you really want to believe in the bear and to believe you'll someday see it. So you keep your eyes peeled and you hope. One thing I love about the story of the bear is how right it feels for so many different things. When I first listened to that post, I had plenty of interpretations of the bear. I thought about God in the afterlife, how so many people are looking and hoping it's out there. I thought about my future. I'm sometimes terrified of what it might hold, but also dying to see it. The bear is a presence, and a rather mysterious one at that. Today, we're exploring the titular track of The Bear. After working through the song, We'll hear the short story that inspired the title, as well as the meaning behind the album's abstract cover. From Newton's Dark Room, this is The Song Is Never Done. Well, there's a big blind bear who roams this road late at night, they say. You'll see her in the shadows as she walks her lonely way. Through the backyard beehives and woodpiles she goes looking for her long-lost children, or at least that's what they say. This bear is big and blind and lonely. It's an older bear. She's lived long enough to have kids and lose them. This bear is full of life and experiences, and she's a little battered. Still, she's chugging along. She's sympathetic. While described as big, she actually isn't all that threatening. Just doing things bears do. Rooting through beehives and woodpiles. One thing I appreciate here is that both of these are natural elements. I grew up at a year-round camp in the mountains of Southern California, and bears were constantly trying to get into our dumpsters. The bear of this song, however, isn't rooting through trash cans or coolers or dumpsters. It's woodpiles and beehives. 
It invokes a much more innocent image, like Winnie the Pooh with his head stuck in a honeypot. This peaceful, natural setting is further explored in the next stanza, where it's briefly juxtaposed against a more urban element. So I sit here at my window where I dream someday she'll pass. I see the rhododendrons I planted, and I think how time moves so fast. Like the moonlight and the electric light projecting paisley patterns on the grass. This line, the moonlight and electric light, paints a picture of Walt and where he's at in his life. He is a city boy, through and through, living in New York, playing all the bars and concert venues, visiting museums, and yet he somehow found himself in the countryside, rebuilding an old one-room schoolhouse, shoveling snow. It's always hard for me to imagine that this guy who you could never imagine him giving a rat's ass about gardening is now into rhododendron and you know every time we go up we plant stuff and but he's planting stuff all the time as we move on he looks down at his scarred hand injured like the bear and drifts towards recollection i look down at the scar on my hand and i remember the first time i got drunk I think of my best friend back then mm-hmm. I slept with my girlfriend that punk We start to see a parallel between Walt and the bear. While she's blind, Walt has a scar on his hand, a physical reminder of the life he has lived and the things he has gone through. The bear and Walt both live in the woods, brought there by a long history filled with great achievements, loss, best friends, betrayal. But all of that feels a little more muted in the present. Is it bad to sleep with someone's girlfriend? Of course. But after 30 years, that grievance can be neatly summed up with a cheeky, that punk. But I don't know. My favorite word here in this refrain is should, where my memories should go. These memories cannot stay with him, not forever. They need to go somewhere, but not just anywhere will do. As he mentions in the chorus, Walt cherishes these memories. They are handled with care and should go to the place that's best for them. Maybe that place is these songs. Maybe it's in stories he tells to his kids. Maybe some memories are meant to stay with him, driving and moving him forward like a blind bear rooting through the honeycomb. In the next verse, we further explore some of Walt's musical history that we've talked about in previous episodes. Well, I had a dream that I was in a mid-level rock and roll band. Played every shithole nightclub across this whole entire land. When I woke up, I was glad to see that I'd left that life behind. But by then I was bald, broke, and 39. 
It wasn't exactly my plan. No, no, no. Walt certainly has a fondness for his time in these rock bands. But that doesn't mean it was easy. Touring and traveling is a difficult task. You're away from family, sleeping in hotel rooms or tour buses. Intense and energetic late nights turn into what I can only assume are exhausted mornings. It can be grueling. Peter Bauer, Walt's bandmate in The Walkman, has a favorite anecdote that sums it up well. You know, I mean, that's just, I don't know, I think that's kind of his sense of humor. That's what I always liked is like, you know, like one of my favorite things that Walt said was like, we were, it was like our last European tour for the Walkman. And we were sitting at this airport bar in like Sweden. It was like, none of, you know, we were really like kind of run its course. And we were like, okay, well, you know, get the, and he was like, <laughs> it's like, I can't wait till it's three weeks from now so that we can all laugh at all the horrible shit that just happened to us. <laughs> it was just like, you know, I don't know. I like, I like that sort of thing you would say. That's where Walt is at on this song. On the other side of it, looking back and laughing a little. After all, he's in a pretty good place in a life he has built for himself. So I left the city lights and now I'm living my own dream. Mary the local beauty queen, built ourselves a home. Watching wavy water running down the stream Making babies and raising chickens out here where the buffalo grow I'd like to take this moment to highlight some of the incredible word painting we see here. Word painting is a technique where the music reflects the literal words of the song. The melody of the wavy water bobs with the waves and zigzags of the alliterative W's. Watching wavy water running down the stream. This playful element reflects the positive, fun, and peaceful nature of the stanza. But as we've come to expect from these songs, everything has two sides, and difficulties or anxieties can still exist in these spaces. But late at night, as the tall trees sway, Here, the alliteration of W's doesn't have the same bounce. Because of that absence, it feels a little empty and imposing. Trees that are tall and sturdy bend in the wind. Some of them must be burning in the fire mentioned. The wildlife, in this case the birds, flee, leaving the wilderness a hostile and lonely place. It is in this state that Walt asks the quintessential question. How should this story end? As he is kept awake by these late-night thoughts, music comes in, bringing with it peace and understanding. After the interlude, we are greeted by a final stanza, which has a different musicality than we've seen on the rest of the song. Stars are everywhere, filling all of the emptiness and darkness of space, little pinpricks of light and hope. 
They reach farther than anything man-made, and in that moment of a stretching infinity, Walt sees the bear. With stars everywhere. Come on, come on, come on, just take a look up there. They fill the darkest corners of the darkest air. They go where satellites would never ever dare. And then suddenly, over there, I see the bear. Now we have a deeper understanding of the bear, of the history and life it represents. It's no longer just some vague curiosity or a way to start dinner party conversations. The bear, in many ways, is us. A living creature making their way through the world. I think that's why the bear prompted Walt's reflections in the middle of the song. I, I knew I wanted it to be talking about the like the sort of local legend of a bear, and then for it to, whatever, there to be a sort of a distraction off into talking about other things and my life and whatever going on and on, and not talking about the bear. And then at the end, suddenly you're reminded of the bear. The bear went on to not just be the name of the song, but the title of the entire album. Yeah, the album was there were, had had many different titles, and then and the, but I had the song "The Bear" in an unfinished form for a long time, and I always really liked the title "The Bear" because it was a a Faulkner story that my dad had always pushed on me. I remember seeing that title in the Faulkner short story book and being like, "Ooh, I like that title," uh, and and then I really loved that story. "The Bear" by William Faulkner was originally published in 1942 in the Saturday Evening Post, before being expanded and refurbished in a few different contexts. You know, I don't remember. I read that story so long ago. I really should have reread re-read that story when I did the album. I remember it, it starts with the, they're, they're hunting for a bear. I think it's really a very simple story about a bear hunt. Do you know the story? The original short story tells the tale of a young boy who joins his father on a biannual quest into the woods to hunt this old, injured, nearly mythological bear. The story takes place over a number of years as the boy grows. The bear is a presence throughout, and the boy often feels him watching from the cover of the woods, which only furthers his fascination. The story reads, So I will have to see him, he thought, without dread or even hope. I will have to look at him. After being told that the bear won't let himself be seen as long as the boy has a gun, he decides to leave his weapon at camp and hike nine hours into the wilderness. There, he additionally discards the rest of his gear before venturing a little further. In that moment, if only for a moment, he sees the bear. Over the years, he encounters the bear a few different times, but never shoots him not even when he has his gun and is close enough to see the ticks on the bear's fur. The story states, He had heard about a bear and finally got big enough to trail it, and he trailed it for four years and at last met it with a gun in his hands, and he didn't shoot. Like Walt's song, the short story treats the bear as an almost mythical figure, something that's more of an idea a representation of 
history, legacy, and growth, of family tradition and heartbreak. Faulkner describes the bear as not even a mortal animal, but an anachronism, indomitable and invincible, out of an old, dead time. The mythological aspect, I think, is what most attracts me. Eric D. Johnson of Fruit Bats and Bonnie Light Horseman, who sang backup vocals on Hunters in the Snow and The Bear. Yeah, The Bear feels like that to me. feels very, like, homespun and personal, but with these kind of, like, big mythological images that sort of are sort of on the fringes of it. Staying in line with this mythic vision, Walt forewent any literal depiction for the cover, instead opting for an abstract approach. I really like the idea of uh, just the way that your brain or your whatever it is, your heart responds to an abstract piece of art um, um, because there's no you know, there's no familiar to touch. There's no thing like, uh, it's very hard to tell why you're having a, like an emotional response to a painting like uh, that one that's on the cover. You know, it, it's like, how the hell, uh, like, it doesn't make, it doesn't make any logical sense. You know, there's no, which is, which is nice because you know that the, it's, there's something going on there that's below or, or above your, your, your understanding, you know, and that's just kind of an incredibly I don't know. I find just that whole idea so cool and so inspiring that that can, that that actually happens, you know, that that actually works. The album art is by Hollis Heikemer. Uh, and, and when I saw Hollis's stuff, I was like, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, wow, like I, I'm having a real reaction to this and I don't know why. And, and then that's, and that's a wonderful thing. I'll describe the cover as best one can describe an abstract painting. It features a sky of tan with a mound of busy browns, reds, and greens rising beneath it. It looks almost like a crashing wave in the color palette of a tree changing colors in the fall. Walt didn't know this at the time, but Hollis has long been using her own bear story to describe her art. There's a story that I have told over time um, describing what gets me started on a painting in the first place. And one of those little stories I like to tell occasionally is, um, let's say you're walking through the woods or running through the woods and um, you see something dark ahead of you and um, you're trying to figure out what exactly that is as you move closer. And as you move closer, your mind starts to think, hmm, I think it might be a bear. And so in the, in the time that you're thinking that it's a bear or your, your mind is kind of settling on that, um, your senses are already gearing up to whatever you think the bear is and you are going to encounter when you encounter each other. So your senses are on whatever, maybe your heart's racing, uh, you know, who knows, maybe you're smelling something different or you're definitely on, you know, high alert or you, cause you're not really quite sure. And as you get closer to this dark, dark space, you realize that it's really just shadows and a rock and some branches and, you know, whatever's in the environment. And in that moment, I love that moment of realization when you realize it's not the bear, it's, it's my mind playing, you know, that, that, that created something. If the bear is a representation of ourselves, our history, and our end, Hollis takes it one step further. There is no bear. There is only ourselves. And that moment of realization 
that shift in perspective is what inspires her. But I love that moment of that shift that we have in um, our perception, where we're at one moment to the next. It could be be something beautiful, could be something tragic, but we completely shift. There are those kind of stronger moments in life. And that bear story I always just would would, uh, tell because um, we all can kind of relate to something, you're not sure if it's scary or whatever, and then you kind of laugh at the fact that you just created a story and you completely were in and on it. You know, you really thought it was what it what it wasn't, basically. So uh, though my paintings are really trying to capture that moment, that that shift. And that shift is, is uh, that's where uh, I see that and experience that and... Um, That's what I'm trying to capture in my paintings. As crazy as it might seem, Walt was completely unaware of Hollis's bear story. No, I've never spoken to Walt. I never, we've never had a conversation. So when I saw the name of the album, I thought it was quite funny. And I thought, oh, isn't that, wouldn't it be fun if we actually knew each other and we could talk to each other and that story might have come up. Walt found Hollis through Art Grind Podcast, a show he listened to extensively while writing on the record. You can feel its influence through the many references to painting, a theme we'll explore more in a later episode. The podcast interviews artists and painters and other figures of the art world to discuss their work and process. While listening to her interview, Walt looked up Hollis's work. Inspired, he reached out to her. With her acute awareness of a moment of change and the history that led to that moment, Hollis's work has become the perfect emissary for the bear. When I listen to his songs, I feel like he is both in reminiscing and he has there's memories and some of them are sad, some of them are just uh, about life, about growing up. And then he, he flows from that to the now, like to where he's at right now, what he sees in front of him today, how he's relating with the fullness of his life today. And he goes interwoves in and out of that. And while my paintings are about that kind of like that more, that sudden shift, I feel like he's in kind of going back and forth in that gray area that we all, we all live in because we, our mind is constantly working on its stories and its memories and all that. So um, I'd say that that's where I think our connection is. Next episode, we'll explore the album's most whimsical song as we venture to Hiram Hollow and discuss Walt's experience in children's music and the place humor holds in his work. The Song Is Never Done is a production of Newton's Dark Room. It was written, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Talon Stradley. The cover art was created by your brother and mine, Trent Stradley. All the music you heard is by Walter Martin. You can purchase The Bear and all his other albums at waltermartinmusic.com. Might I suggest Arts and Leisure, which has not one, but two songs featuring other Apex Predators. All that and more at waltermartinmusic.com. Special thanks to this episode's guests, Judy Martin, Peter Matthew Bauer, Eric D. Johnson, and Hollis Heikemer. Thank you to all my supporters on Patreon, Fuzzy Delp, Sonny, and Mac Ito. 
If you want your name in the credits, plus buttons, special transcripts, and more, support Newton's Dark Room on Patreon. I would normally give a social media plug here, but I was banned from TikTok because for some reason they couldn't verify my age. So if you want to chat, you can find me at Newton's Dark Room on Instagram. For all my podcasts and everything else, visit newtonsdarkroom.com. Thanks for joining me, and we'll see you next time.